is like you. Oh God, there is none like you. Holy is the Lord, who was, who is, and who is to come. Amen. Well, Shabbat Shalom. We have a unique Shabbat this year where we have, of course, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And so I want to just remind us that we are celebrating the return of Yeshua. And the theme of our High Holy Day season is the return of the King. And hallelujah, that's right. And so we're, we're actually celebrating throughout this fall holiday season. And so the first question you might ask is, can you celebrate on Yom Kippur? Right? Because it's also the most solemn day. And you can even feel the solemnness in the room. And we don't even have a traditional Yom Kippur Service and you still feel the solemnness, and I was really feeling this holiness, this holy God who is nothing like us. He's nothing like you. you. We can't even imagine what He's like. He's so good, He's so awesome. And What I want us to remember is that there's this unity in the fall feasts, the fall holidays, just like there is in the spring. In the spring, you know, you can't really separate Passover from first fruits and from Shavuot, or the crucifixion from the resurrection and from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. These events are inseparable on the calendar even. You don't know when Shavuot is without resurrection. You don't know when resurrection is without Passover. And it's the same thing in the fall, where there's this unity or an inseparable reality to trumpets, to the Day of Atonement, and to Tabernacle Sukkot. And so really we're in the middle of this 22-day celebration. Did you know that? A 22-day celebration of the return of Yeshua. And so, thanks for coming. Because it's a big deal that He's coming back. And really, there's an overall theme to every Moedim, every appointed time. And that is, it's about the covenantal faithfulness of God. In fact, Rich was teaching about it last Shabbat. He says that God will do what He says. He will do what He says. That's called the covenantal faithfulness of God. And in fact, every Moedim is, every appointed time is like this, right? We celebrate His covenantal faithfulness in the past. We come together and we celebrate that covenantal faithfulness in the present. And we're also prophesying or foreshadowing this future covenantal faithfulness of God. So what are we doing tonight? 
We're celebrating the covenantal faithfulness of God. So a lot of times people ask me, Tom, why do you celebrate the Moedim, the appointed times, especially when you're so adamant in your Gentile identity? Meaning you're so adamant that you're not Jewish, why are you doing these supposed Jewish things? Anybody had that question asked them before? So here's the answer. It's very simple. I want you to hear this. The reason I celebrate the Moedim is because I love Yeshua. It's real simple. It's because I love Yeshua. Do I love Israel? Of course. Do I love the Jewish people? Absolutely. Is that why I celebrate the Moedim? Not that primarily, no. It's out of my love of Yeshua. Now, if I was Jewish, and you asked me the same question, you know what I would say? God willing, because I love Yeshua. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because He is the ultimate manifestation of the covenantal faithfulness of God in the earth. Do you understand that? So, of course, it's out of our love for God. And if you're Jewish and you love Yeshua, how much more should you celebrate the covenantal faithfulness of God in the earth? How much more, right, should you celebrate the return of the king of Israel? Right? And and obey the commandments in the Torah because Yeshua is the living Torah. He's the word become flesh. So what does that mean? It means, yes, To my Messianic Jewish brothers and sisters, I'm saying, celebrate the Moedim. This is part of the the covenantal expectations that God has given you to be a light to the nations. It's a big deal to be the light to the nations. It's a big burden. I, I understand that. I get it. But God willing, your heart motivation should be the same as the Gentiles, right? Which is what? That we all love Yeshua, right? That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. We're not playing synagogue, right? We're not playing church, whatever you want to say. We're here because we love Yeshua. And so God's desire, I'm convinced, is that Jews would celebrate Him out of love and not just obligation. I'll say that again. God's heart, right, is that the Jewish people would celebrate him out of love, not just out of Torah faithfulness. Am I right? And the Gentile nations, his desire is that we would celebrate him out of what? Love. And not because, well, it's not a covenantal obligation. You don't have to do that. He's like, that's not really the point. The point is, I want a relationship with you, right? And look, almost all of the church is already celebrating one of the appointed times. Did you know that? If not two. And some even three. What's the main one? Anybody? What? Pesach, Passover, resurrection. Maybe two you could say, right? And why do Christians celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus? Most of them. Because they love him. Wow, there's a connection. Do you see it? (laughs) Because they love Yeshua. 
And so we need to realize this connection between our Christian brothers and sisters that we're all loving Yeshua, God willing. And so we can build a bridge through this unity of love and therefore we can hasten the return of Yeshua because this is of course what the fall Moedim are all about, his return. So each appointed time teaches us something different about Yeshua, if you didn't know. So the question for today is, what does the Day of Atonement teach us about Yeshua? Glad you asked. What does the Day of Atonement teach us about Yeshua and His return? And the title for my teaching this evening is that the Day of Atonement is global social justice. The Day of Atonement is global social justice. Hopefully you pricked your ear because this is kind of in the news every now and again. Social justice, social justice, social justice. Did you know that God cares about social justice so much, He has an annual event that foreshadows that great coming day? You haven't thought about it like that, I can tell. He cares about social justice so much that we commemorate the final global day of social justice every Yom Kippur. Because the return of the king brings global social justice. And that day of global social justice is a great and terrible day. And that's what I want to talk about. Excuse me. The context for this uh, future global day of justice is all about Jerusalem, Jerusalem. And not surprisingly, if you think about it, this final day is really about 6,000 years in the making. And so, of course, it's all about Jerusalem because it begins and ends in Jerusalem. In fact, if you come on our eighth day celebration, I'm going to talk about showing you this connection of going from the garden to the garden and going from Jerusalem to Jerusalem and how it begins in Jerusalem and ends in Jerusalem and everything in between. In fact, we see that even the priesthood of Yeshua comes from Melchizedek, Melchizedek, who's the king of Shalem, which in Psalms connects it with Zion and Jerusalem. The binding of Isaac happens in Jerusalem, right? The capital city of David's kingdom is Jerusalem. Yeshua is crucified in Jerusalem. He resurrects in Jerusalem. He ascends into heaven from Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is first poured out in Jerusalem. Yeshua is returning to Jerusalem. Yeshua will be setting up His kingdom in Jerusalem. And heaven and earth will be united through Jerusalem. And of course, this final battle that we're really talking about on the Day of Atonement is a battle for 
Jerusalem. Armageddon, the, the plains of Megiddo, is really a staging point of many battles throughout the centuries to take Jerusalem. So now let's look at Yom Kippur as global social justice. And I've got three main points. Point number one is that biblical social justice is understood as judgment that considers eternity. Number two, it establishes righteousness. And number three, his justice displays the destiny of humanity. All right? So point number one, global social justice, this final Yom Kippur, is judgment that considers eternity. Now think about it. There was this king, and he went into exile, right? And he's in exile, and the people come under the rule of this wicked kingdom, right? And so then what happens, and there's a lot of pressure in this wicked kingdom to follow the ways of this world, if you will, right? And so people began to have loyalties to this new kingdom, and they didn't have loyalties as much to the king who was in exile, right? So then when the king finally returns... And remember, we're celebrating the return of the king, right? The question becomes, where has your loyalty been? Has your loyalty been with this king in exile? Or has it been to this wicked, rogue empire? And so we see that there's two main things that happen in this judgment this justice that's coming to the earth. The first is to the saints, the Kedushim, the people of God. And on Yom Kippur, we see that there's a sealing of atonement over the righteous. A sealing of atonement over the righteous. So through the cross of Yeshua, we know that atonement becomes available, right? So this atonement through Yeshua's blood, we have access to. And we read last week that in 1 Thessalonians 4, at this final trumpet, this final shofar blast, it says that all the saints who are alive, that they're caught up with the Lord. And it says, and so we shall always be with the Lord. And so there, these saints that are alive actually cheat death. This is one of the reasons you want to be alive at his return. People say, well, I don't want to go through the tribulations. or I do. do you want to cheat death? Oh, death, where is your sting, right? You can cheat the first and the second death if you're alive at his return. That's part of the good news. But let's read Acts 2, and I want to show you something. Acts 2, verse 17. Acts 2, verse 17, of course, 
is this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Peter stands up and he says, he's referencing the prophecy of Joel. And he says, and it shall be in the last days, says God. And actually, Peter changes Joel's words here. Joel doesn't actually say this is about the last days. So what is Peter doing? Well, Peter is showing us the principle of prophecy. If you, this is a side note, as, as I like to say. But that prophecy can have multiple fulfillments. Because he's saying that this is partially fulfilled here in Acts chapter 2. And simultaneously, he's actually prophesying about the last days. And that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit, my ruach, on all flesh. Which hasn't happened yet, right? Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my slaves, male and female, I will pour out my ruach in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will give wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and smoky vapor. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of Adonai comes. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of Adonai shall be saved. And so there's this worldwide outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it says that all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, when you're saved in this and you're caught up with the Lord, the saints, in this moment, your atonement is sealed. Right now, you have access to the atonement of Yeshua, right? But it has yet to be sealed. And in this moment, it's sealed for the righteous, right? And not surprisingly, what's the tradition? Do you know in Jewish tradition, what do you say on Yom Kippur? You say, may you be inscribed and sealed, right, for a good year. A similar connection here, right? Why? Because it says in Psalm 69, 28, it says something very interesting. It says, May they be blotted out of the book of life, and may they not be written with the righteous. Meaning you can be blotted out of the book of life. And it says it again in Revelation 3, verse 5. It says, He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Which means what? Apparently you can be blot it out of the book of life. So without going into it, this kind of throws once saved, always saved out the window. That one got quiet. The desire is that we would be sealed in his book. So I would change the tradition a little bit, and I would say, may your name be sealed in the Lamb's book of life. So Yom Kippur is about global social justice and this great and glorious day for the righteous as they are sealed in their atonement. But then also, what do we have? Of course, we have, it's a great and it's a what? A terrible day, right? 
And this is for the unrepentant. This is for the wicked. This is for the unrighteous. And we're in this period, in fact, the crescendo of the day, the ten days of awe, is Yom Kippur, right? And if you look in Hebrew at the word for awe, it comes from this Job passage that Peter was quoting. It's also in Malachi, but where it talks about the great and terrible day. And in Hebrew, the word awe is Yahweh. But interesting that Yahweh actually has two very different sounding meanings. And it means awe or awesome, but it also means fearful. So what's interesting is, and you saw in most translations in Peter, or in Acts chapter 2, it called it the great, and what did it say there? Glorious. Why does it say glorious? Because if you translate Yare as awesome, then when you go to Greek, you get glorious. And if you translate Yare as fearful, then you go and you get terrible. Are you following me? What is this pointing to? It's pointing to the obvious fact that it depends which camp you're in. It depends who you've been loyal to, which king you've been loyal to, on whether or not it ends up being a great or a terrible, or ends up being a fearful or an awesome day. And so, of course, we know that this is bringing the wrath of God to the unrighteous. And this is what we see, this worldwide plagues, like unto Egypt, but now on a worldwide scale. Whereas before, what comes out of the plagues? Well, the salvation of Israel. So the same thing happens where this leads to all of Israel being saved. But to get there, what happens is you have not just Egypt now, but you have all the nations of the earth that are gathered where? To Israel and Jerusalem coming against the Jewish people once again. But similarly, they will be drowned in the sea. But now it's the sea of fire. Or it's called the lake of fire. And so what do we have? We have this, I call it an accumulation of blood. That's what we're talking about on this global social justice day. It's this accumulation of blood. And it reveals even the wrath of God. Did you know that there have been more people murdered in the last century, century and a half, than in all of human history combined? You have the Armenian Genocide. You have the Holocaust. You have World War I, you have World War II, you have Nazi Germany, you have Stalinist Russia, you have Maoist China, you have the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. Who am I leaving out? African genocides, Rwanda. You have more. Oh, and then we also have something called abortion. There has been more shedding of innocent blood 
than in all of human history. And we haven't even got to the fourth seal in the book of Revelation where it says that death and Sheol will kill one-fourth of the earth. And the sixth trumpet says that one-third of mankind is killed. This is hard to talk about. But it talks about Yeshua striking the earth with a rod and a sword that comes from His mouth. That he's dressed in a robe dipped in blood. He's the kinsman redeemer. He's the blood avenger. It says in Revelation 14 that there is blood up to the bridle of a horse for 200 miles. This is global social justice. Because these murdered, unborn children are crying out for justice. The martyrs are crying out for justice. The rocks are crying out for justice of the blood that's been spilled in the earth. And there will be a day of reckoning. And I didn't even get to the bowls of wrath. And the beast and the false prophet drowning in the lake of fire and Satan being bound up for a thousand years in the abyss. See, in that day, there is fear. It is fearful for the wicked, but it's not for the righteous. Because the righteous receive this final seal of atonement. And you receive it one of two ways. One is we cheat death. And we're caught up with the Lord. And the other way your atonement gets sealed is through death and martyrdom. Because that also seals your atonement. But look, in the end, you're going to be seeing this book played out on a worldwide scale. You're going to be feeling, I mean, even in our worship services, sometimes you can feel heaven pressing down. You can feel Yeshua's feet coming to the earth. And so how much more so when these are playing out on a worldwide scale? You're going to see yourself resurrecting as you're dying. Global social justice is judgment that considers eternity. My point number two is global social justice establishes righteousness. So I talked about how the cross has made our atonement available, but we have a big problem. Did you know that? The big problem is we keep on sinning. Right? Maybe it's just me. We keep on sinning even though we have atonement, right? So when this final Yom Kippur comes, this is the exciting part, which is for the saints, this means no more sin. This means no more yelling at your wife, no more yelling at your kids, no more temptations, no more lusts, right? And I'm just talking about my sins. No more bad thoughts. And all this, and maybe you won't even have to die. This is good news. Can you imagine the day when you won't have to struggle with your flesh and struggle with sin anymore. It's hard to even imagine. 
That's what the Day of Atonement is all about. That's why it can be this great and awesome day. Because remember, my point here is about establishing righteousness. So what happens? What happens is the throne of heaven, the heavenly Jerusalem, comes to the earth. Right? Yeshua is returning. And what does it say in Psalms? In two different places it says that the foundation of his throne is justice, which is what we're talking about, global social justice, right? It says justice and righteousness. So as his throne comes to the earthly Jerusalem, justice is established, and so is righteousness. And this is a big deal. This is why we as the saints, we focus on repentance on Yom Kippur and heading up to Yom Kippur. Why? Because we don't want to be in the unrepentant camp, right? We want to be the saints. We want to be repentant. We want to be prayed up, if you will. Because remember that we're actually to blame to blame. For this mess, did you know that? Your sin is causing the problems in this world. I know you just think it's because of Hitler and Stalin and Donald Trump, or maybe Obama, sorry, whatever side, I mean, you know, Hillary. Okay? But the reality is, is there's this collective reality to all the sin that's causing all these problems in the earth, and you're at fault. And so am I. Shh, don't tell my wife. <laughs> she knows. I mean, uh, in the hallway. Oh, up there. Thank you, Lou. She's doing the slides. So, what do we do on Yom Kippur? We do identificational repentance, right? We do corporate repentance on behalf of our own sins and behalf of the world in this prophetic act to say, turn to God, right? Turn from your sin. And this is why we read the book of Jonah in Jewish tradition on Yom Kippur because it was about national repentance. This is what we want. We want national repentance to happen to all the nations of the earth. This isn't just about Israel. Is it about Israel? Absolutely it's about Israel. But it's also about the redemption of all the nations. But I've got a little secret to tell you. And the secret is is that when Jonah goes to Nineveh and they repent, a hundred years later, Nineveh is destroyed. Did you know that? Because what? Righteousness was not established. So it's not enough in your humanitarian effort to just help people, feed them. That's good temporarily, right? Your social justice effort has to be more than just these physical needs. It has to meet the spiritual dynamic and element of the people to establish righteousness 
so that their children and themselves will be redeemed. Will, that their atonement will be sealed. This is why we need biblical social justice. So God's justice establishes righteousness. Okay, my third and final point. Global social justice at Yom Kippur displays the destiny of humanity. The destiny of humanity begins in the Garden of Eden. We see that God reveals the intended destiny of humanity. And He declares humanity to be very good. Right? This is what He wants us to to become. He wants us to become very good. And this is about being the bride of Messiah. And over and over throughout all of Scripture, the Lord says over and over, I will be your God, and you will be my people, and I will tabernacle among you. What is he talking about? Tabernacle is dwelling among you, right? This is talking about this unity, if you will, of the bride and the bridegroom. That's his desire. And we are to be this bride, the bride of Messiah. But I want to point out this word bride in Hebrew, which is first introduced in Genesis chapter 2. But what I want to show you is that there are two destinies involved in this word bride. Because the word in Hebrew for bride is the word kala. And the word kala, on the positive side, means bride. It means completed, and it means uh, finished. And so to be the bride of Messiah is to be completed in Him. And this is our intended destiny going back to the garden, that we would be unified with our Creator. But the problem is, the word kalah in Hebrew has another meaning. Did you know? And word kalah also means to be consumed, or to be destroyed or annihilated. This is not God's intended destiny, but this is talking about the unintended destiny of the unrepentant. This is talking about the destiny of the wicked. God is also an all-consuming fire. But again, our intended destiny is to be His bride. And so when the bride reaches her intended destiny, we are unified with the bridegroom, Yeshua. And so what happens at that point is that all these other social justice issues are finally solved. The return of Yeshua actually brings the end to global injustice. So when we talk about social justice, we need to be talking about and praying for the return of Yeshua. You need to be telling people that you know the person that's going to bring an end to all global injustice. Because there's only one person that can do that. 
It says he wipes away every tear from their eyes, from our eyes, right? That we no more pain, no more suffering. Who can do that? Who can guarantee no more pain and suffering? There is only one. This is the holy God that we were singing about. There's none like him because nobody can do that except for him. And this is why we celebrate on this day of global social justice. So God cares about social justice, and he loves his bride so much that he has this annual event that foreshadows this future day. And of course, this leads us to Sukkot, which is our next celebration, which is what the feast or this wedding supper of the bride and bridegroom coming together. And that's just a little taste of my teaching tomorrow, actually. So final thought as I close here is that why should you fast on Yom Kippur? Another good question, right? Why should you fast? Well, hopefully, back to the beginning of my teaching, we should fast because... We love Yeshua, right? So, not only out of an obligation, not only out of peer pressure or something, but out of a love for God. Yes, God said this is for the Jewish people to do this. It talks about afflicting your soul or denying your soul. And so the rabbis understood that as fasting, but did you know that Luke and Paul also understood this as fasting. Because in Acts 27, 9, it's referred to as the fast by Luke. So you can't get out of it. It's still understood as fasting, okay? But here's what I want us to remember. Two things on why we fast. Number one, we fast to remember our continued need of atonement for our own sin. Although Yeshua died once and for all, we still need that atonement. It's a day to remember and to be thankful for that atonement and that you still want Him to apply that atonement tomorrow, God forbid, if you fall short. Do you see what I'm saying? So you're fasting in this remembrance of your depravity and your inability to be perfect to the covenant. And so it's a way to say thank you to the Lord. And in fact, if you feel like you don't ever sin, okay, that was okay. Hebrews 9, 7 says something interesting. It says that the high priest, talking about during uh, the time of the temple and the tabernacle, is offering atonement for the unintentional sins of the people on Yom Kippur. So we also sin unintentionally and you don't even know it. So you can also fast as a way to remember all the unintentional sins that you've committed against people that you don't even know how to confess. And the second reason that we fast, or that I'm suggesting we do this year at least, is that remember that we remember that it will be a terrible day for those who are not covered by the blood of the Lamb. Because it is 
a terrible day. And so there's this reality to our fasting where we're remembering and we're interceding, therefore, right? Usually when you fast, you're fasting out of intercession. Am I right? For someone, for something, connection to God. And so we're fasting in this remembrance and this desire that this atonement would be received and accepted by humanity. So to conclude, Yom Kippur is about global social justice. And his justice is rooted in Jerusalem. So on this day, we celebrate the sealing of our atonement. The sealing of atonement for the righteous. In fact, we're kind of celebrating our final salvation. You know, we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. At some point, that fear and trembling goes away and we just celebrate our salvation. Hallelujah. And then we also remember, like I'm saying, the eternal justice and punishment that is coming for the wicked. And on this day, we remember that Yeshua's justice will be established Excuse me, his righteousness will be established alongside of his justice in the earth. And that his justice will display the intended destiny of humanity to be his bride. So let's all stand. Prophetically, I just want to say that we are saying yes to Yeshua's perfect justice. And we're calling forth His perfect justice and His blood atonement to cover the earth and that the knowledge of God would cover the earth as the water covers the sea. So we pray for the peace, the shalom, of Jerusalem. Father, have mercy on your people. Lord, we celebrate the sealing of our atonement. We thank you for our atonement. We remember that our own sin has been covered by the blood of the Lamb. And we thank you, Lord. And we thank you and we thank you again that we can stand before the Father one day and that we'll be spotless, that we'll be this pure bride. And Lord, we fast as this sobering reminder of the terrible day for those who are not covered by the blood of the Lamb. And Lord, may our intercession and our fasting and our prayers for our family members who don't know you, that they will come to know you on this Yom Kippur, on this season as we celebrate the return of Yeshua. And we pray for our friends and our neighbors, Lord, who don't know you, that you would wake them up with this blast of the shofar, Lord. You would call them to repentance. So may our names be sealed in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen.